0: Well, the, the subject of the animals uh, in uh, Ibn Arabi's thought was tackled uh, in, in the former symposium of the Ibn Arabi Society. In the Journal of the Ibn Arabi Society, you can read uh, two uh, uh, deep articles on the subject. In uh, the year 2008, uh, Pasha Mohammed Khan wrote uh, an article uh, entitled Nothing But Animals. Where he uh, re- had a reflection on the notion of absolute animals in Ibn Arabi's uh, thought, and uh, with a special focus on the ringstones of wisdom. And the year after, in 2009, William Chittick wrote an article called "The Wisdom of Animals," uh, with a, a deep meditation on the comments of Ibn Arabi on the attributes of abasement, zul. Uh, attribute of the the animals. Both articles show the paradox of a certain superiority of animals on humans. Animals have a more direct understanding of their relationship with the divine origin, according to Ibn Arabi. And the famous intellect, reason, haql of the humans and of the jinn, uh, usually mentioned as an advantage for humans, is for Ibn Arabi rather an obstacle. So the relation with uh, divine origin is more difficult for humans because of their rational uh, way of thinking. My study here will be uh, more modest, it's just uh, some footnotes, some glosses on uh, on the, this, uh, this topic. I would just uh, tackle two main points. In the first part I would uh, Pose a, a set of questions of a general point of view in the general uh, Islamic thought of the specific difference of, uh, uh, between humans and animals. Uh, what, what is the real, the real specificity of humans in comparison with the other uh, beings created from clay and water. In the second part I will give a presentation of some elements of Ibn Arabi's answers on this, these questions. So what is the difference, specific difference between men and animals in uh, the Islamic traditional thought? We must remember that the, the very notion of uh, nature, fuses in is, a, is, a, is not an Islamic concept, it is a Hellenic concept. and uh, the Greek philosophers in the Aristotelian tradition, when they tried to reflect on humans and animals, uh, made a set of uh, differences and resemblances uh, between the species. But um, but the the, the Aristotelian system system was known in Islamic thought, but actually the Quran and the Islamic tradition uh, have another way to consider the world of living things, and uh, what is translated by uh, uh, nature, the tabi'a, has a very uh, has another uh, dimension in Islamic thought, and especially uh, in the works of Ibn Arabi. We heard the uh, the speech of uh, James Morris just right now on the on this subject. In the traditional Islamic thought, there are not Fixed nature, everlasting qualities of every species in, in, uh, in the animal world, uh, but there are spec- that specific uh, status. You have a, a specific status given by God, and this is the divine. The status given uh, given by bo- by God who uh, makes an animal animal, and it may change according to divine will. So, in this respect, I would like to expose, uh, basing myself on the Islamic authoritative authoritative text, what are the differences between animals and man, stressing the fact that it is neither the shape, the bodily shape, nor the intelligence, nor the human virtue that gives this difference. First, it is not the body. All the Islamic theologians confess that any human is composed by a body, a vital soul, nafs, and a spirit, ruh. So every man has a body, some body. It is, however, not necessarily a human body, like we usually know uh, we are accustomed to. And several examples can be given. Mankind can exist and the st- in the state of particles. A famous Quranic verse, uh, verse 700, uh, 172 mentions the prenatal covenant, Al Mithad. It says, and mentioned when your Lord took from the children of Adam from their loins their descendants, and made them testify of themselves, saying to them, am I not your Lord? They say, yes, you have testified. This Lest you should say on the day of resurrection, "Indeed, aware of this, unaware." This verse suggests that the man of mankind existed before its actual birth on earth. Several hadith, quoted in the, in the Sunni commentaries of the Quran, explain that man existed in a state of particles—that small particles. Uh, and where uh, God gave to these particles their destiny. Mortazilit, rationalist theologians, uh, uh, argued that this position was totally absurd, that a man, to be a man, must have a human body, a human bunya. But the sunny reaction to this position was, that, uh, was negative. Uh, Fakhidir Razi, for instance, in his Quranic uh, Quran commentary, responded that man is not essentially his human body. he is a unique essence, Joharfart, who can be hosted by any body, even a small particle, if God decided so. so and Razi explained when a man said "I myself, he thinks to himself, he do not think to a special body." And finally, most Sunni exegetes consider that mankind, mankind could be in a state of particles and answer consciously to their creator, "Yes, we have testified." So, so the man is not necessar- necessarily born to one human body. Because another Quranic verse uh, explains that uh, supposes a man can exas- exist within an animal body. Three verses of the Quran refer to the narrative of Jewish tribes having be, having been chastised by God because they transgressed Shabbat and they were transformed into apes and pigs when they were transformed into monkeys and uh, the command, most commentaries says that they were conscience to be humans in animal bodies, and that was precisely the punishment that they stayed. They remain conscious to be human. Uh, and uh, even several hadith suggest that you have uh, animal species who can be the offspring of these cursed Jewish tribes. Explaining these verses, Fahdin al Razib, among others, stresses again that the essence of man lies beyond the accident, that the physical accident are, are, are not the essential in human nature, in human being. He may acquire animal accident and remain a human being, like in the case of these Jewish tribes. And it is indeed what will happen uh, after resurrection for doomed people. They will get animal attributes, Hadith uh, explained, this animal attitude expressing their inner uh, dispositions. But they will remain human beings, even if they have a monstrous aspect. And on the contrary, we notice that for that other beings, other non-human beings, may receive a human body without being human. In the case of imaginal apparition, you have the case of angels appearing in in a human body, like Gabriel, who, according to the tradition, appeared to Muhammad in the shape uh, Muhammad and their companions and Aisha and. in the, in the shape of the al-Kalbi, uh, contemporary of the prophet. So an angel can become human for a moment, have a human aspect. The Sierra mentions that uh, uh, Satan, Iblis, took the shape of, uh, of a sheikh to uh, convince the Meccans to fight against the Muslims. So the devil also can have a uh, human shape. And the Sufi tradition, and Ibn Arabi among the Sufi, in this Sufi tradition, consider that the great masters, the great Sufi masters, are able to appear in any of the form, I quote, any of the form of the children of Adam like himself, or in the form of animals, plants, or minerals. End of the quotation. This has, of course, to be linked with Ibn Arabi's conception of imagination. Anyway, it is not thus not necessary. There is no necessary relation between a human bodily form and the fact of being human. Another example may be given: a contrario, the, in paradise, the the, whole, the beautiful women, and the young man serving the, uh, in paradise will have a permanent human aspect, a beautiful aspect. Nevertheless, they are surely no, no no humans. They are not. They are not the children of Adam. That is the first point. The second point is that the difference between man and animal may be human intelligence, human reason. That Many theologians stress that the animals are just stupid, they do not understand all what uh, humans understand. They are said that the man's rational soul, nafs soul, is the essential characteristic defining him as human. And this, this is often stressed. But if we consider the text of the Quran in detail, we observe that he sheds a very different light on this point. The, uh, the Quranic texts assert that animals are endowed with a real intelligence. Uh, here, of course, if, uh, Depends on what we call intelligence. In the, the articles of uh, Pasha Khan and William Chetik stress that Ibn Arabi, in those passages, um, makes a difference between hakl, the reason of man, reasoning, reason of man, which is in this uh, aspect respect an, an obstacle, and nukh, uh, reasonable speech, and the, the animals being endowed by Nutk. This would be a specific difference. But, so if we see several Quranic uh, verses, we observe the f- following affirmation. First, the animals are clearly endowed with the language. Surah seven, uh, 27, verse uh, 16 and following. And Solomon inherited David. He said, O oh people who have been taught the language of birds, and who have been given from all things. Indeed, this is an evident bounty. In the next verses, it is mentioned that Solomon understood the speech of ants. So, so it is an important point because a language, if the animals are endowed with the language, it is supposed that they have a real understanding of things, and that is indeed what is uh, pointed by the following verses. So, uh, Surah 27 verse 18 and following until when they they is Solomon and his army and they came upon the valley of the ants and ants said O ants enter your dwellings that you not be crushed by Solomon and his soldiers while they perceive not then at this verse the classical exegesis explains that the ants understood that Solomon was a king but a, a rightful king that he was a prophet so it implies that the ants have a high degree of knowledge and understanding. And, and that's maybe a most important thing, the animals seem to be responsible of their acts, what uh, the, uh, the Islamic theology calls muqallaf, uh, taklif. They are responsible before the sharia. Surah uh, 27, uh, verse 20 and following, and Solomon took attendance of the birds and said, why do I not see the hoopoe or is he among the absent? I will surely punish him with a severe punishment or slaughter him unless he brings me clear authorization. So this threat by Solomon to punish the hoopoe suggests clearly a legal responsibility of this bird. Uh, Most exorcists preferred not to comment this verse because it is—it uh, is really a well it becomes a big problem if you admit that uh, animals are are responsible and they say no you know at this time the, uh, at the time of Solomon the animals were different they were more clever and I don't know <laughs> but anyway the text is there and we may also mention that uh, the that the Surat 2018, uh, uh, Ahl Kahf, the, the people, companions of the cave, mentioned the presence of a dog in uh, the entrance of the cave. The uh, narrative, the tales of prophets, give, uh, giving many details about this dog. He was a true servant of God. The companions, before hiding in the cave, tried to, to chase him to. And uh, and they thro- uh, were throwing stones at him, so that he he, he he had to go away. But the dog began to speak and to beg them to because he wanted to stay with them. He wanted to be God's witness with them. And uh, it, you have even a hadith saying that the dog of the companions of the cave will be present in, para- in paradise. In this respect, the the dog was was more believer than, than if I can say than, than many humans. it is a kind of uh, a spiritual superiority of this dog on all the unbelievers. And that is also a big huge uh, uh, theological questions. Uh, the existence of a kind of uh, animal holiness was mentioned by several commentators, mostly Sufi commentators like uh, Fuzbehan Bakhli, who has beautiful pages on the uh, spirituality of, uh, of the, this dog? A third point may be superiority of mankind should be based on his morality, his faith, on the fact that humans re- uh, receive religious revelation through the mission of prophets. But if we see uh, again uh, Quranic verses, we see that th- the revelations, revelations were also given to animals especially in uh, surah 16 verse uh, uh, 68 and your Lord Lord inspired to the bee take for yourself among the mountains houses and among the trees and in what that with which they construct then eat from all the fruits and follow the ways of your Lord laid down for you there emerges from their bellies a drink varying in colors in which there are healing for people Indeed, it is a sign for the peop- for a people who give thought. So this verse suggests that the bee obey to a kind of inspired law, an inspired, an inspired sharia, and uh, that they do obey very well, apparently more than human. I would say. The idea is enhanced by, other, by another important verse, asserting animal, animals from, s- from specific communities, umam verse, uh, Surah 6, verse uh, 38. And there is no creature or within the earth or bird that flies with its wings, except that they are communities like you. We have not neglected, neglected in the reg- register a thing. Then into their Lord they will be gathered. In this, so animals obey to a divine will. They participate to the global harmony. Uh, and that is the reason why the Islamic law and Islamic ethics, uh, Muslims have to respect all creatures and uh, because they are really like uh, religious communities. The hadith explains that uh, Prophet Muhammad hated dogs uh, and wanted to kill them. but the hadith says Muhammad added, "If the dogs weren't a community, a Ummah, we would have order to kill them. And uh, other hadiths explain that even small birds must be protected from evil deeds. So there's a deep respect for for, uh, even the smallest animals. So on the whole, we can sum up. up. According to theological exegesis, animals are intelligent enough to to know God as a creator and one. Even more, they are worshiping God. They are able to praise him and adore him. The idea stems from several Quranic verses. For example, uh, Surah 17, verse 44: uh, "The seven heavens of the earth and whatever is in them exalt Him, and there is not a thing except that it exalts God by His praise, but you do not understand the w- their way of exalting. Indeed, He is ever forbearing and forgiving." Another important verse: Surah 24, verse 40, uh, 41. Do you not see that God is exalted by whomever is within the heavens and the earth and by the birds with wings spread in flight? Each of them has known his means of prayer and exalting him, and God is knowing of what they do. Many theologians and uh, commentators try to minimize this prayer of the animals. Uh, They make a distinction distinction between praise, tasbih, uh, a kind of universal... uh, appeal of uh, creation towards God and prayer, salat, reserved to man. But uh, the most prominent uh, theologians stress that animals are really intelligent enough to have what we can call a prayer, a salat. fatidin Razi stresses how intelligent animals are. He mentions the spider and its house, the bear who can use tools and foresee events, events bees and the organization, migratory birds uh, f- uh, finding their way, horses and dogs who can communicate so well, turtles who, can, who know what grass or vegetable can heal them, or the swallow uh, who, who build, builds up his nest, and many other examples. Razi, therefore, considers that these animals are receiving inspiration from God, Ilham, and he, he is convinced that they are conscious of their own worship. Razir is a theologian; he's not a Sufi. So it's important to, to to stress that he and other non-Sufi uh, theologians uh, um, stress this uh, this point. Qurtubi, for example, who is mostly a jurist, uh, commentator of the Quran, uh, is, uh, thinks that uh, you have enough hadith and the Quranic verses stressing that. Uh, Indeed, the animals are worshipping God with a real sense. Kouchairi develops, develops the idea of a general prayer in the universe. Every species has its own way of worshipping. Of course, reasonable, reasonable beings like man or jinn may pray consciously but they also uh, may, 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 uh, may pray, may pray uh, on an unconsciously, without intention. And God receives the worshipping of the animals who are sincere and re- does not receive the prayer of the hypocrites and neglecting people among humans. So we are coming back to our first, for our first questions. What is the essential difference between a man and an animal? What is justifying man's superiority on animals? I, I, at the beginning of the Quran, it is written that uh, angels had to, to bow before Adam, so there is a, there is a superiority anyway. Mm-hmm. You have a well known uh, medieval text, the, 20, uh, 22, the 22 of the Sincere Brethren, Ikhwan al Safa, uh, telling the trial of uh, the animals against humans and the animals. Uh, arguing against humans saying why do you uh, treat us uh, that uh, that way and um, the, the arguments of humans to say that they are superior to, to, uh, to animals are very weak indeed so Ibn Arabi develops on that point a very original and rich point of view First, he stresses that the animals are really reasonable beings. He devotes to these questions several uh, passages of his uh, works, but in the Futuhat, chapter 378, he stresses that animals are intelligent and responsible, mukallafun. They are all reasonable beings, Haiwan Nateh. And that is a proof, writes Ibn Arabi, that the, the God speaks to them, and gave them responsibility. Uh, considering the verse, I quoted the seven the seven heavens and the earth and whatever is in them exalt him, and there is not a thing except that it exalts God by his praise, but you do not understand their way of exalting. Indeed, he is ever forbearing and forgiving. Ibn Arabi asserts that the animals are endowed with language, with uh, innate language for praise God, note, uh with, uh, so the uh, remind, remind, must remind here that, uh, so this uh, nut this what uh, William Chetty translates by rational speech is not identical with reason, with human reason. Human reason is specific to man and to jinn also, but the animals have uh, rational, Speech. Uh, we have noticed in the precedent verses I quoted that uh, um, Ibn Arabi considers, considers uh, the whole creation as animal. So when he speaks of uh, Hayawan, he means also plants and minerals and uh, for him, the whole of universe is, uh, is really living, and the whole of universe is really uh, praising uh, uh, its lord. So uh, now, we, right now we we'll just uh, speak about the rational speech of the beasts of the Baha'im, which is more easier than to, to speak about the speech of the minerals and mountains. Second point, according to Ibn Arabi, the animals know, they understand uh, and uh, pray according to their species. They know that there is nothing comparable to God. They pray according to their own liturgical utterance, Munajat, that God revealed his will to the bee, and so did he with all other species. In brief, animals possess in themselves, a science of the fundamentals of their own faith. All revealed to them by unveiling, Kashf, what fits their own nature, what is like uh, their book, what is like their sunnah. Ibn Arabi compares those revelations to the revelation given to small children, like the young Sahel Tustari, or like himself, that he receives a Kashf spontaneously without... Uh, without uh, Teaching without teaching, and uh, that is the point. The animals receive a knowledge in the sense uh, uh, William Chetik spoke uh, yesterday, uh, but on, on a direct way. Ibn Arabi gives many examples of animal intelligence and unveiling. The bee, he mentions the bee, of course, and he stresses, however, the spiritual dimension of this uh, uh, this kind of intelligence. He tells the story of the camel of Ibn Atah, Al-Adami, uh, a Sufi of the 10th uh, uh, century. The camel stumbled and nearly fell down. Ibn Atah shouted, uh, exalted be God. The camel reacted, say, saying, God's exaltation is higher than yours, and Ibn Atta was ashamed for the animal knew more than himself about God's majesty. Because the animals, do, this animal didn't possess reason, uh, and had a direct access to divine reality. Ibn Arabi mentions also the hadith, very known hadith of a cow on whose back her landlord was riding. And uh, the cow protested, arguing that she wasn't created for this kind of work. Muhammad considered this hadith as, as authentic. Uh, the cow, uh, Ibn Arabi comments, the cow had a direct knowledge of what she was created for. The human has not. Uh, he needs a prophet to explain to him uh, to understand this. He mentions also the story of a Sufi, about Allah, who saw a man riding on a donkey and hitting the head of his, of the donkey to make him walk faster. Why did, why do you hit the head of your donkey? the Sufi asked. Thus the donkey said, let him do so, he's hitting his own head. <laughs> According to Ibn Arabi, the donkey knew through his own original nature, fitra, what the reason of things are. Ibn Arabi gives many other examples. The elephants of the Ethiopian army attacking uh, uh, Mecca uh, in the 6th century. Uh, the birds, Ababil, who destroyed the same army. That's reference to the Quran), The mule of the prophet who get upset when she came close to a tomb where the dead were tortured by the angels. And the she-camel of the prophet when he entered to Medina. Uh, and, uh, uh, and uh, went to, uh, to settle down in the stop in the courtyard of Abu Ayyub al-Ansari and enable Muhammad to fix his residence without any political interference. She was definitely under the orders of the divine will, says Ibn Arabi. Uh, Ibn Arabi stresses also a very important idea. The animals are, of course, ignorant of divine mystery. But men are also ignorant. Their position, however, is not the same. The question is that of perplexity, higher. The animals are naturally perplexed, puzzled, mm-hmm. bewildered. Of course, they cannot ob- animals cannot obtain the same level of knowledge as uh, uh, true theologian or inspired uh, saints. In the Quran, God compares those who went astray with animals, but says in Arabic, it does not mean that it is a, that it is a contempt towards animals. The, the verse says that the non-believers are even more astray than animals, because the animals is just perplexed, and the unbeliever uh, is perplexed, but with his reason he cannot go further. It, 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 it is an obstacle more for him. Perplexity, hayra, is actually a high spiritual level. The knowers of God uh, are the more perplex of all. The, the idea of being bewildered by the, the, the divine uh, immensity is, is a positive quality. A well-known hadith says that uh, Muhammad prayed, saying, uh, increase my perplexity in thee. Confirming the high status of of this uh, station of perplexity. Another hadith says, if the animals knew what you know about death, they wouldn't eat and become fat. So uh, it just means that the spiritual level is higher than these of man. Uh, The wise man is indeed the one who is looking at death like the animals are doing. The animals are not caring about uh, death, uh, and uh, they will not enter paradise, and nevertheless, they are fully obedient to God's law. Concerning uh, animals' eschatologic destiny, precisely and the resurrection, the text of the Quran is not very clear. It suggests the animals will be resurrected, but there is no hint at the fact that they will enter paradise or oh, hell. Many interpretations exist. The common creed, and adopted by Ibn Arabi here, is that they will be resu- they will be resurrected and then will die definitely. Uh, uh, several hadith say that after resurrection they will become balanced, but uh, anyway they go they return to earth. And Ibn Arabi states that he will that he will not be resurrected. Uh, in a vision he had a vision in the Kitab al muashirat when um, he asked Muhammad about the topic of the. Uh, about the resurrection of animals, and uh, the prophet answered that it would that this would not happen. It would never be insisted, surely it is not a symbolic meaning, and uh, Muhammad confirmed no uh, so th- this is a confirmation that uh, the animals are obedient to God but on a, on a very uh, without uh, awaiting any reward. Uh, why uh, uh, mm-hmm. have they a kind of mystical uh, experience it is difficult to say, but if uh, may, maybe there's a possibility that they know they understand their own nothingness when living on earth. They understand their own uh, void. it is like they, they're living in a state of fana during their, their life on earth and uh, in this, they do not need to, 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 to live after, after their death. In conclusion, what uh, to the question posed at the beginning of uh, this paper, the comparison between humans and animals, what can we say? Ibn Arabi develops a complex set of ideas about the soul, the human soul, and the, uh, its uh, capacities, its faculties in comparison to animal soul. It is not uh, the purpose to develop it here. Let us go to the essential point. I quote Ibn Arabi with uh, the translation of uh, William Chitty. Man is defined specifically by the divine form. He who does not possess this definition is not a man. Rather, he is an animal whose form resembles the outward appearance of man. So that is a very important point. So uh, to be a man, is to correspond to the divine form. But what is the divine form? Ibn Arabi says in another passage, God created Adam upon his own form. He ascribed to him all his most beautiful names, to the strength of the form he was able to carry out of the offered trust. And in another sentence, in other words, this shaped and balanced plane, the human shape, is a receptacle for all forms. So, God makes it appear in whatever form He wills, since He has told us that this plane has been given receptivity towards any form. That is the answer to all the the questions uh, uh, posed at at the beginning. So, uh, I repeat the sentence, since He has told us that this human plane has been given receptivity toward any form. So, uh, human form is not one specific form, it is humans may, may have all theoretically all forms. So what about the comparison with animals? Well first clearly the animals are the expression of some divine names, while the humans are the expression of all divine names. So uh, the animals are the expression of, uh, for instance the name, the baser uh, And a second important point is that an animal, born as an animal, do not transform itself. Humans have the vocation to transform themselves to get higher levels of being. They are not fixed in one status, in one hopi, as are animals, plants, minerals, or or angels. Uh, uh, the, the, but the human the human being he must evolve. I, I quote. Hence, I quote in Arabic. Hence, each individual among man and jinn reaches in his traveling the known station for which he was created. Every existing thing other than they, whether angel, animal, plant, or mineral, is created in its station. So it does not descend from its station, nor it is commanded to travel towards it since it dwells within it. So humans are appealed to reach perfection Kamal which involve a way, a transformation, a path, Suluk. They have to actualize the different beautiful names. And if they don't, they are just animal humans uh, in San Haiwan or, or they may be even worse, lower, lower than animals. They will become lower than animals. This perfection reaches reaches his peak with the form of the perfect man. Perfect man endowed with all the human names manifested in the person of uh, muhammad actualizing, actualizing all the names this concept of uh, perfect man however un- encompasses the whole creation the entire universe was created according to the form of adam the accomplishment of history of universe will happen with uh, when all the greater perfection will be will have been fulfilled this point is here that the meaning of animal existence finds its place within the divine project, and this divine project is the shape of man, of the perfect universal man. An animal becomes a part, a province of humanity, sharing in its glory to come. I thank you very much.